asked my kids uh, just the last couple days for just a few tidbits. I go, I said, what? I go, name some things in, in our parenting that you can think of. And here's a couple of them that I got back. I, I won't give their names, but one of them said um, that we were a good example. That they got, I said, three things. And they said, example. They said that we were hard workers and that we didn't tolerate gossip in our house. You know, that they, they you know, we just wouldn't tolerate it at all. Boy, that's a good thing to build on, isn't it? Um, and, and another uh, child wrote this. It was actually a son who said, Dad never spoke bad about Mom. And I said, well, did she ever speak bad about me that I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, it's not that. He says, but it's just a good example for me now. And, and it's just, you know, a dad who doesn't slam the mom. How many think that's a good concept? And um, another thing they said that they thought, that they, and this was encouraging to us, so that's why I'm reading it, and hopefully it's encouraging to you too, is they said that we saw people for people instead of labels. Um, that they weren't just this religion, or they weren't addicts, or they weren't this. He said that we saw everybody individually who they were. And I thought, I thought I was encouraged by that. And then manners and how to relate to people, they got that from Jody. <laughs> and, um, and the last one is, um, one son said, you taught me how to apologize, be humble when we're wrong, not treat it like it's nothing. And, um, and you know, one of the things I covet for parents is, is that you walk in the blessing that the Lord has. That, you know, as much as they gave us some encouraging words there, I can tell you that there were things behind the scenes where we were blowing it or catching up. How many parents know what I'm talking about? Things that we were struggling with and growing in, and we needed God many, many, many times. If you go on our website and you, right on the home page, you'll see the Target Parenting class right there at the bottom. You can just click register. It doesn't, we don't take money yet um, because we're getting our merchant account uh, to make it work properly. Um, but just let us know uh, the kid count for child care. There will be child care there. Um, and it's, it's already included in the price. The price is $15 per couple. If you can't make it, um, and you can't make it, let me know. Let one of us know, and we'll make sure you can get there. Um, it's bare minimum of our cost. And then um, include your kids' ages if they need child care so we can get the right amount of um, uh, children's workers. And lunch is on your own. Um, we were going to have filet mignon wrapped in bacon. I was going to cook it myself. Then I thought maybe double cheeseburgers because it's on the value menu. And then I remembered that I shouldn't. So, And, and then uh, we have Bible devotions that are coming up and also our dinner table talk. And we do this every week. Um, this is a new thing that we've been doing the last uh, month and a half, two months. Um, and these are things that you can talk about at your dinner table. I just recommend it. You just go on our website, click the main series, and you'll see these things show up right there. And just ask your kids what they, we can do is grow as a family. How many think it's good for your family to be communicating? You know, whenever we have people stay at our house, we always tell them that we have a family talk, you know, on like a Friday, Friday night or a Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, something like that. Have a family talk. That way everyone gets together and we can talk about stuff to find out you know, if there's any issues or stuff that we need to deal with. Um, it's really helpful. And parents, you can learn to get input and perspective and find ways to get your family talking constructively about family disagreements or family issues. There should be a safe place that everybody could talk. You know, Dad, I thought, I had one of my sons came to me a few days ago and told me, he said, he goes, Dad, I just feel like you've been complaining lately. I go, how could you possibly say that? No, I'm just kidding. But, but it was a constructive thing. It wasn't disrespectful. He pulled me aside, said it, and I re as soon as he said it, he got, I went, you're right, I've been complaining. You know, How many know that sometimes we as parents need to hear stuff? Come on. And, and, and if, if he would have said it and yelled at me, go, you're just a big complainer, I would have got on him for being disrespectful. But you have to create avenues where they can just communicate and go, Dad, I need to talk to you. And said it, and then at the end, you don't make excuses. You just admit it and move on. Even though I know it was Jody who was complaining, it wasn't me. But I just had to make it look good. Not, I'm, I'm just totally kidding. How many know I'm kidding? How many don't care? Just, just get to the sermon, buddy. Come on, feed me. I'm ready.
Do I have to get to the podcast? Come on. Totally kidding. Father, I thank you uh, for today's sermon, uh, Lord, that you would empower it through your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me, uh, help our congregation be prophetic this morning. I believe you have a prophetic message for us um, as a congregation. Lord, some things are old news, but it's new news for us. It's good news. And Lord, I'm reminded of the words that you have spoken to us through Christ, things that you want to fulfill, um, and especially in family, as we talk about a restoration path, Lord. Many of us feel like we wish we would have, could have done that or would have done that, and everybody has fallen short of your glory. And so we turn to you to give us that path of restoration and grace and power and obedience. Show us how to get there, Lord. We look to you. In Jesus' name, do I hear an amen? amen. All right. Well, today is a heavy subject. I will tell you that right off the top. Um, just because, you know, Family 2.0 is about, gosh, how do I move forward? I, I kind of want to step back and say, you know, we're not Family 1.0. You know, we've been trying to implement some things. And, you know, maybe, um, you know, you're not seeing the full fruit of what you're desiring. Not as if it all happens on one day. You wake up and you go, wow, I got a perfect family, perfect kids, perfect relationship, perfect everything. Um, that day, um, although I've had times where I thought that, um, you know, just moments. Then another day went by and I went, oh, there it all went. And then you feel like you're starting all over again. You know, some of you had kids and you didn't know the Lord at all. You did the best you could. You invested in them, but you, you look back at some with regrets and you go, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I could have done that. Some of you parenting right now and you, you, you realize that behind closed doors, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. There's heartache behind closed doors. People are discouraged. You know, people don't have direction sometimes. They're purposeless. Um, some people get in a funk. Someone in your family gets in a funk and you can't get them out. You want to help them get out, but they can't. It's kind of like a cycle. They're stuck in it. And you go, man, Lord, what happened to our family? Some, you know, you've felt like this is the fourth time you've prayed and fasted and wept before the Lord. And you go, man, I don't feel like anything has happened. Some, you've, you've, man, you think, man, I planted some good seeds. I really tried to do everything, but still I see consequences. And it's almost as if you, you planted some good seed, the crops came, but then all of a sudden the locusts came and they just ate it. You know, the devourer came and just ate at your land and you, you thought you were going to eat the harvest and now there's no harvest, it's gone. And, and, and family is such an incredible place. When people come to church, they always have their best face on. Nobody comes into church and you go, how you doing? Terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. My life's crazy. I don't even know how to put anything together. No, people come into the church and they go, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Listen, church ought to be the one place we could be real. Amen? Listen, there are times when we are hurting. Okay? I could, uh, there, there were times when I've written stuff where I was so in despair. I've written stuff. I just go, man, I just feel worthless. I go, I feel like I have no direction. I feel like no matter what I try to do, I can't make progress. There are there are times when I just feel like there's divisions within the family and I'm trying to, I feel like I'm trying to heal them and restore them. Anyone ever feel like that? You're, you're just trying to build bridges and you're getting going and sometimes you're too weak and everyone else is trying to do it. You're thinking, gosh, there's so many things. Just, we, we deal with people with, there's people with addictions in our families. You know, it's people that are grieving and struggling. And God has answers, amen? We have the prophetic powerful, mighty God who declares to us he wants to change us. Amen? Amen? And when God sets his will to something, I believe he can and will do it. Amen? So this is what we're talking about, putting the pieces back together. And we need to take kind of a look at it. I'm going to finish today with a song um, that I'm going to sing um, that I believe is a prophetic song. It's an old song. But it's a prophetic song. And I, I, you know, I had planned a totally different sermon. Wrote it out and everything. And I was supposed to have it to Michelle on like Thursday night, something like that, or Friday morning. I was going to give it to her. She was putting the bulletin notes together. And I told her, I called her and I said, you know what? I woke up this morning and God spoke something to me. I can't give you my sermon. Just throw it in the trash. And the, the Lord gave me this song. He gave me this message. 
It's a prophetic song. It's a, it's a song of God's power. It's a song of God's declaration, what he's going to do. I want to sing it to you, not as a performer, like I'm going to get my voice all in tune and sing this perfect song. That's not how I want to sing it. I want to sing to say that this is Isaiah prophesying to you. And he's saying things to you. First, we've got to look at the old things. Let's start with letter A. The old ways. Wait, by the way, how many, how many can identify with the struggle of the family? Come on, raise your hand. R- raise it high and go, man, I know. I'm telling you, how many know that, peep your hand up. How many know we put our great foot forward, but behind closed doors, some of us are hurting, amen? amen. How many have felt hopeless, right? Helpless, right? No direction. Telling you, turn to somebody and say, God has hope for you. Every single time that I've reached, and no matter how many times it's been where I thought, I don't know how I'm going to get past this, God always came through. Always. He always. The only reason I made it to this place, and I have a long way to go, but the only reason I've made it to here is because of God's grace. He brought me to this point, and God will bring me the rest of the way. Amen? 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 Amen. Old ways. And this is, we have to confess, this is such an old thing, but it's really where the prophecy starts. In Joel 2.12, he talks about the locust taking the land, the swarm, the great army have devoured your crops. And you look at it and you go, look at all I've labored for. And it's like, but, but what good use is it? It's like, you know, it's like the person who invests with his money but forgets God. You know, it's like, and all of a sudden he looks and he goes, what happened to all my resources? It was never made holy. It was taken away. The, 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 the locust came and swarmed it down and ate it. That's why we put God first in those things, because we say, Lord, this is your money. And we make him the shareholder. Amen? Amen. It's the same with our life. And this is, we, the family's got to confess, whether it's one member who can step up to the plate, but starts and just says, we've lost our way. We don't know where we're going. You know, I've said this to my kids where I've just said, I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I honestly don't know what to do. I've done this when we didn't have enough money to live on. I've done this when, you know, when we didn't, I didn't know the direction. I had, I did this when I didn't know how to fix things. You know, I I tried to fix it. I tried to make changes. I always feel like I was working so hard, but no matter how hard I worked, I felt like it always went womp, womp. How many know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and it's kind of like, like and, and it's like Pete said earlier, and he goes, it finally resorted to prayer. I finally had to go to God. You know, I've tried everything. You know, I see guys starting their business. I'm getting my business going. I'm, getting my, I'm doing this. Got advertisement. Got marketing. Got sales. Making all my connections. How's it going? Terrible. It's resorted to this. I actually had to turn to God. Do you know that God wants to make you desperate for him, that he's jealous for you? Because he knows that when he is the source and power of your life, you will be unstoppable. Do you realize that? That the promises of freedom and deliverance and hope, all those are for us. But we have to start at the beginning. That's not where we start. We have to acknowledge the truth. Even now, declares the Lord, this is where Joel starts, just it begins. Return to me. Say it with me. Return to me. Turn. And again, return. Do it again. Return to me. Turn to me. Turn to me. Turn to the Lord while he is near. We have lost our way. In the book of Daniel, one of the great leaders of the Old Testament, he says this, O Lord, we and our kings, our princes, and our fathers are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God. This is how we need to start. Jody and I have spent so many times, so many years, where a, a week will go by, a month will go by, and we just look at each other and go, we blew it. You just, you just realize it in your family, something, you go, we blew this. Or you look in your marriage, you go, we, we blew this. And then, and then each time, I can't tell you how many times we've been on the side of our bed, just, just kneeling on the side of our bed going, Lord. Or one kid just seems to be straying, or one kid's just getting something, and you're getting on the side of your bed, and you're going, Lord, touch them. Or you think to yourself, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, Lord. If you don't come through, nothing's going to happen. I've given everything I have to this. 
Everything I am, I've thrown it there and it's produced nothing. And it's just like, God, please. It's like, if you don't come, we're dead. We're doomed. And I tell you this to express life. Because this is the response. This is the man that God hears. And it's like the power of God where I had no hope. All of a sudden, he spoke to me and he said, I'm here. I'm your freedom. I'm your deliverance. And I felt the power of God come over me. And all of a sudden, I knew what to do. And I knew what to say. And I could see him working in something changing. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. This is, this is Daniel. It's like too many parents... <sighs> You know, we, we as Christians, we downcry all the other works, faith-based systems, but yet we do it ourselves as much as they do, where we're thinking, we're trying to work, we're trying to work. Listen, did you receive the Spirit by what you believed or by what you did? Which is it? Can everyone say, by faith? Can everyone say, by grace? Can everyone say, through Christ? Can ever say through Christ alone. He is our hope. Amen. Even now, God says, return to me. This is his call. This isn't like him waiting, return to me. When God says return to me, it's got power to it. Because it's his voice. Return to me. Yes. It's not self. I'm going to try to repent. I'm going to try to do good. It's God speaking it. Return to me. I hear his voice. And he pulls me in. This is the power of God in the word. Amen? Listen, here's some situations. And th- these are real situations. Family is struggling. Addiction. Rebellion. Discouragement. Just distance. Grieving. You know, family members are all, they're grieving. They're grieving over a relationship. They're grieving over a loss. They're distant because they're isolated. This communication has gone south and people are starting to get hurt. They're getting isolated. And they're broken. This happens in families all the time. Do we confront them? Do we support them? We can't communicate. It's either lost or it's empty. I see this in couples. They're talking, but they're not talking. They're just speaking to each other in the same room. They're in the same house, but there's no life there. There's no love there. There's no joy there. They've just worn each other out. They know all their, each other's sins. They've, they're just weak. Can I tell you, God has more for you. Amen? How many say amen? amen? No one's willing to take ownership. Every, there's so many households full of blame. It's his fault. It's his fault. It's his fault. It's his fault. You know, God is waiting for people to say it's my fault. But we're in a culture who says, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Rationalize, rationalize, rationalize. I hate to say it, but the three magic words are just, I am wrong. Amen. amen. How are you doing? I'm wrong. You know, it's like, I mean, I can't tell you how many couples I've counseled where I sit in front of them and I'm going, oh, what's going on? Well, you know what he's doing is like that. Well, okay, your turn. You know, she's kind of like that. I'm going, oh, well, your problem isn't your marriage. And they go, it's not? No, it's your Christianity. You don't know how to walk with God. What do you mean? You guys don't repent. You blame everyone else. Can you imagine? And the Lord spoke with unto them. It's everyone else's fault. Where would that get you? You only, everyone say, it's my fault. I knew it. (laughs) Isn't that how it goes? So so say it to me, say, I knew it. it. Yep, you're right. You got it. So let me repent over it. In fact, can you tell me more about it so I can understand it better? Because the wise man listens and grows wiser still. Amen? And that's how you know when repentance is real. Hearts are worn out, pain but no gain. What happened? The next slide there. Our family has no direction and purpose. They're chasing after the wind. I I meet so many families that have no direction. It's kind of like it's boring to be in the family. The kids are bored to death. What are we doing? What's our life about? Well, we just do that and that and this. Listen, why not become a kingdom family? Amen? 
want to be engaged in the kingdom. You want to be, you want to be involved in the greatest thing that's ever been and ever will be. The kingdom of God is it. You know what I mean? No matter what, you, I mean, kids have no purpose. They have no direction. And you wonder why they're bored and medicating themselves. They're bored to death. Our family is just in the world. We're going nowhere. Nothing seems to matter. Or our family lives unto each other, not God. This is, this is a very common one I see all the time. Family members that just live unto each other. It's you. It's you. But they don't live for God. And the minute one person lets it down, they all are let down because they have to sustain each other. Can I tell you, you can never sustain each other. We need the Lord. How many say amen? And here are some realities. And yeah, (laughs) we all do, don't we? Every family loses perspective. I I was listening to this leader talking about this concept. He was saying how he had put... Um, some, he was building a new house and he had put some receptacles on his wall because he was going to put some pictures up there with, um, that were empowered by electricity. So he put some receptacles. But when his wife started decorating, she couldn't stand it where he put it. So they just put a couple small pictures just for the moment to cover it up. And then they just put other pictures on the wall. And he goes, it looked awful. And he says, but in about three weeks, we forgot all about it. And he goes, in six months, people were coming to our house. They'd probably be looking around and go, man, they don't know how to decorate. That looks awful. Can I tell you what happens in your own house? Is you lose perspective of what's dysfunctional. Isn't that true? You, you start to lose it. You're, you, you, the way that you talk, you know, the way that you communicate, the way that you're short with each other, you don't realize it. And, 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 and you get, lose perspective. This is why we need to have friends. This is why we need to have counsel. Not necessarily professional counselors, but just counsel of those who know around us. You know, it's a great habit to go to your, have good friends that you can go, hey, what do you see in our family? What, what are we doing wrong? What do you notice about this? What do you think about, what, how are our kids doing? People that you can trust. How many say amen to this? This is so important. Every family deals with sin and rebellion. How many know that there are sinners in your home? Can you point to one? Now point to the biggest sinner in your home. Paul says he was the chiefest sinner, didn't he? Right? Because he knew who he was. Listen, too often times parents will go to their kids and they go, you're such a little angel. And the kid's going, I am? (laughs) So you just like reinforce it. You are so special. And how many know kids are special? How many know the kids are also special sinners? Right? And how many know that kids need Christ? Or, or, or do one of you guys have this kind of kid? You are so pure. Jesus died for everyone but you because you didn't need it. <laughs> the purity with which you... Hey, stop, stop, stop. Stop hitting your brother. Pharaoh, get back there. <laughs> and Judas, you don't smart off to your brother and stop hardening your heart. Beelzebub, stop it and go to your room. No, we don't have devil kids, but you know, how many know that our kids are sinners, okay? Our kids need to learn Christ repentance in the house, amen? It doesn't mean you discourage and belittle your kid. I was exaggerating and just joking around, but you know what I'm, how many know what I'm saying, okay? Every family needs equipping. I mentioned this parenting class. And I jokingly told Ira, I go, I go, there's probably a bunch of parents who need it that won't come. And, and they're the ones that, that they don't know that they don't know that they don't know. That they need to be there. You know, when, we, when I first became a Christian, they had parenting classes. I, I took probably 20 parenting classes. I'm not exaggerating. You know, we took Growing Kids God's Way. We took a bunch of different series. We became master teachers of growing kids. We became the teacher hotline, national hotline um, when people make calls to us, we did it for probably about four years, five years. And we devoted ourselves to parenting because if not, we would have been terrible parents. We needed help. How many of you need some help with your parenting? Just say, I want to grow. We want to build a parenting community here. And it's not just for you have young kids, you have teenagers. Your kids could be older and you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot about a family. 
And this is why we're doing this. We're going to have ongoing. And every family needs grace and discipline because God loves us. He disciplines those he loves. Amen? He disciplines us, but he also gives us grace. What would it be like to have a purpose-filled house filled with grace? The threshing floors shall be full of grain. This is, this is who he's talking about. You know, the locust came in. He goes, but I'm going to tell you. He goes, you're going to have threshing floors full of grain. The vats will overflow with wine and oil. How many need some wine and oil? Okay, this is, this is a house that knows how to celebrate. Amen? <laughs> right? And it's full of grain. By the way, don't be drunk. The Bible says, rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to qualify that. Okay? God says you need to have self-control there. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. How many know this is about us? Did you know that this prophecy lingered for hundreds of years until the book of Acts? And all of a sudden, Peter starts quoting this. I'll pour out my spirit. He quotes the scripture, and as he's quoting it, the spirit of God fell on the people. And all of a sudden, they started saying, and this is the early church. And God, God is saying this. He goes, I'm going to restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. It's kind of like you planted some crops. You did the best you could. They came in. Some of the crops were high, some of the low. The hoppers, the different types of locusts, the old, the young, up, down, sideways, it nailed you. And you got nothing. And you go, where's my crops? Where's my harvest? Where's the fruit of my labor? And so many of us have been on that cycle over and over. Where's the fruit of my labor? Where's it? Where are I going to eat? Where am I going to build to the mixed crops so I can build my business, build my... There's not, it's not going to happen. And God says, but I'm going to change something. And this is the prophetic word. The Lord saying, return to me. I will make these changes. Your grain, your threshing floor is going to be full of grain. Really? That's what they're wondering. Really, Lord? Is that really going to happen? Can I tell you when this gets fulfilled? In Jesus Christ, through us. Amen? The hopper, the destroyer, my great army, which I sent among you. And remember, when God said he sent this army, the consequences of the Lord are in the air. His judgments are in all the earth. When we disobey him, we see consequences. It's like Job, the book of Job. He's got this one friend named Elihu. And Job has, the devil comes in and he brings all these consequences. And little by little, Job is tested. And he remains loyal to the Lord, even through his consequences. And Elihu doesn't know this. So he just kind of comes in and he starts lecturing him. He goes, Job, you know, if only you would have obeyed. You know God's ways. If you do it right, then you get the results. If you don't do it right, you don't get the results. And Job's looking at him going, why don't you just shut up? You know, how many have had that feeling? You know, you finally get into someone's counseling office and they go, did you guys ever seen that Bob Newhart show, little special called Just Stop It? He's, Bob Newhart plays this counselor and this girl lady comes in and she goes, well, I got this problem and all that. And he goes, okay, I'm going to give you an answer. After she explains all her heartache, it's three words. She goes, what? And he goes, just stop it or stop it. Yeah, I can't remember which one was, two words, three words. He goes, just stop it. And she goes, well, I don't understand. I was here to share. Oh, okay, go ahead and share some more. So she stares some more. And he talks all morning. He goes, she goes, now what? And he goes, okay, you ready? She goes, yeah. Just stop it. <laughs> you know, that, that ought to be my sermon every week. Okay, so how many have been struggling with sin? Raise your hand. How many are feeling some pain? You've been discouraged, not living in confidence. Well, just stop it. <laughs> all right, pressed offering baskets. How many haven't given lately? Just stop it! Yeah, how many like that sermon series? The Just Stop It series. Just stop it. Wouldn't that be a great thing? You just wake up and you just put it. And some of you do, just, and I'll just give you all signs that you can take home and put on your iPhone. You open it up and it, or your droid and it goes, just stop it. Wouldn't that be great? The Lord could just use one law to change us. He wouldn't even need to send Christ. <laughs> oh, there's the cross. I kept pointing over there. There it is. Verse 26. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am the Lord your God and there is none else and my people shall never be put to shame. How many say amen? amen. This is a promise 
to those who are losing everything, who have lost everything, who have their crops gone, who have no home, they're isolated, they're deserted. It's like when we're living and they're going, man, my home, I'm so isolated in my house. And I'm telling you that there are people in their houses right now where we, the times of discouragement, where you go in your closet and you feel so alone. And the Lord has hope for you. Amen. And, he's, and I love this because this is his prophecy about us. And it starts by believing what he can do. Don't go to works-based. Go to faith-based. Amen? This is not a dead faith. It will produce works. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. I want you to see this. This is in the book of Acts, right? Chapter 2, right at the beginning of the church when it bursts, this prophecy is given from Joel. Hundreds of years before, all of a sudden it comes to life. And I want you to see everyone in the family is included. Amen? He's got, he's got sons and daughters and men and young men, male, female. And he's not just trying to pick out specific ones, but it's everyone. Everyone in the family is meant to be blessed. Amen? Listen, they are filled with God's presence. I'll pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. This is how it's going to get done. It's going to get done by his promise and by his work. When they were sitting in Pentecost, sitting there waiting... They were waiting for the power to come. They weren't striving for the power. They were waiting for the power. He says, wait, my power is going to come. It wasn't, wait, my power might come. My power will come. This is a prophecy that is as good as gold. It's as good as anything God has ever spoken. They have a God sense of the future. It says, your daughters are going to prophesy. Imagine a, a family where the daughters... And the, the sons and daughters can prophesy, and they don't go, Dad, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Pass the weed. They're going, I know what God is doing. I know what he's doing in my life. I know what the purpose is. There are so many Christian homes that are filled with God, people talking about God. But they don't sense God's presence in the house. God's presence manifests in the home. How many say Amen. Listen, God wants to dwell with you. Amen? He calls this his home, but he also wants your home to be a home where he dwells. Where your daughters, where your sons, they have vision. And they have prophetic words where, where they say, I didn't have hope, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And you laid hands on them and they say, I can see what God is doing. I'm prophesying. This is our destiny. How many want to live in this family that is restored? They dream about heavenly things. The old men shall dream dreams. I guess I'm the old man now. Sometimes dreaming dreams. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I wake up and God has spoken some scripture in my head. And it's like it just comes to life and I can see it. I've seen this day. I've seen this moment. I've seen where it's going to go. I know what God's going to do at the end of this service because he spoke to me. And the last part on this one here is those days, I'll pour out my spirit. Those days are these days. These days are those days. Amen? Turn to someone and say, it's right now. Old ways, return to God. That's where I started. Go ahead and put the next slide on if you would. Joel, even now declares the Lord. Can everyone say with me, return to me. This isn't a one-shot deal. Okay, I'm just going to return. How many know that we are always returning to the Lord? This is a lifestyle. And here he says it, with all your heart. The, the heart is your inner person. It, it's not just your lips. It's not, you know, it's like, you know, someone puts the pressure on you. Yeah, yeah, I, I like God. No, don't play games. Just be yourself. If you feel like your heart's hard with God, just tell somebody. How you doing? Man, my heart's so hard with God. I don't know what to do. You think God doesn't love that kind of prayer, that kind of honesty? Where then God can come in and goes, 
you, you could just pray for someone right there. You know, I, I say this for small groups. If you're in a small group and someone says, my heart's really hard, don't have 10 people around the small group going, well, let me show you how to fix it. Just every, why don't you just come alongside that person and go, hey, well, we still love you, brother, in the Lord. Let's pray for you. Lord, Johnny, Freddie, Bobby, just announced, Lord, that they, their heart's hard. I've been there, Lord. Just soften their heart, Lord. You can do this. Lord, whatever wounds are there, I pray that you just make them dissipate, Lord, into the air. Bring them freedom, deliverance. They don't see clearly. Let them see clearly. Lord, I can't turn to them, but I can turn to you. Open their eyes. Open blind eyes. Lord, we put our love upon them. Let your grace bring them to new power, to new grace, to new mercy, Lord. Open their hearts that they can draw near to you. You say you want to return the hearts of the fathers to their kids. Lord, let that be so in this case. In Jesus' name, how many say amen? This is the prayer. This is the prayer that we pray. Not, let me give you the four-step plan to how to fix it. That's not the heart of the Lord here. Fasting, can I tell you? That's when you know God is your only answer when you're fasting. It's not about losing weight. It's not about having a good cleansed diet because you know that you're going to eat so proper. And weeping is crying. Mourning is loud crying. In other words, this is serious business. How many say amen? Listen to how this scripture continues. There's a parallel between Joel 2 and Isaiah 62. So I'm drawing from both of them. Listen to what he says. This is the old name. No longer will they call you, listen to this word, deserted. Say it with me, deserted. I'm telling you, there is no family member that's never felt this, where you're just deserted. You feel like you're on your own. Even if people are trying, just go, man, I just feel deserted or desolate, isolated, no hope. You know, feeling alone, not seeing the promises fulfilled, that's desolate. Or being devoured, like Joel said in the middle there, being devoured by our enemies, devoured. You know, the enemy is like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. He comes after the family. He comes after the dad, the mom. He comes to bring breakup. And no matter what is done by the enemy, the Lord can restore what is lost. Amen? You know? And not only do we have the, the, the old ways, but we have the old enemy, letter C. Okay? And this is understanding who the devil is. Okay? The devil is the liar. He is the thief. He is the devourer. And this is where you go, my family did these things right. I, th- I thought we'd see some fruit. And fruit was starting to show up. And all of a sudden, the enemy comes in too, doesn't he? And you're thinking, what happened? How many want deliverance from all this? How, how many embrace, how many could just admit to the bad news here? Come on, raise your hand if you could admit to this. This is where we are, and we need, go ahead and put on the next slide, a path to restoration. Okay, how do we get there? Number one, and I'll just say it, it's a new day. Amen? Are you guys still awake? Good. Thank you for the shout out there. Thank God for Kool-Aid. Go Jamaica, Hawaii. Isaiah 62, 1, the beginning, he says, for Zion's sake, that's us, the people he's going to deliver from the desert. And how many know we live in the desert? Literally. And he says, and this is God speaking. I, I want you to see that when God sees the people there, and he says, there is a day of deliverance. And he looks at them. I want you to see that the Lord is chomping at the bit. And, and I, you can see it in the writing. Just say it with me. Say, I will not keep silent. This is the Lord saying, I'm bringing deliverance. Sometimes you got to be patient in the walk, not because you're going, oh, God's just letting me suffer. God is allowing you to be complete, mature, lacking nothing, bringing you to fruitfulness. He disciplines too, amen? And he says, for Jerusalem's sake, this is the promise of the new life of the church. I will not remain quiet Till her righteousness shines out like the dawn. Her salvation like a blazing torch. I want to see her flaming. That she's a light to the world. That she's a delivering uh, people. And then it goes in verse 10. It says, pass through, pass through the gates. 
How many know that Jesus is that gate to life? And he says, prepare the way for the people. This is John the Baptist. Prepare ye the way for the Lord. Build up, build up the highway, the way, the truth, the life. How many say amen? And then here he puts it, he puts it so simple. And God says, remove the stones, raise the banner. This isn't the banner of legalism. All right, let's put all the rules up on the wall. Can I tell you what the banner is? It's Christ is the banner. I mean, picture Christ on the cross, looking out, making a way for you. Is there a better answer than this? Christ looking at his people, God Almighty, that says, I take your pain. I take your punishment on me. Oh, I take it for you so that you can have life, so that you can experience joy and mercy and grace and forgiveness. This is the good news of grace in the gospel. Will families move out of works and bondage and slavery and move into freedom and mercy and reliance on God's power? Put the next one on. Remove the stones so you can plant new things. It's not a get rid of your sin. It's get rid of all bitterness so that joy can come in. It's get rid of the stones. Get rid of the old ways. Get rid of them. Remove it so I can plant some new stuff. Begin to live out wisdom in your family instead of foolishness. Make sure God's ways are prevalent in your world. God's ways aren't an afterthought. I I hear athletes all the time talk about their Christianity. And they go, yeah, yeah, I believe in Christianity. What they mean is church. I believe in church and my mama's church. But when it really comes to things of the word, they don't, that's not their guide. Their guide is culture and what this actor thinks and what society thinks. Listen, what about what God thinks? And I'm not talking about the standard, just raise it so high so no one can follow it. I'm talking about lifting up Christ and the mercy which draws us to that standard. Raise the banner who is Christ. How many say amen? Plant life, not death. What would it be like to have a family that didn't tear each other down? I'm telling you, some people get more pain in their family than they do other places because there's so much tear down with words. I've seen dads do it and tear down their kids. I've, I've seen myself do it, get caught in it and repent. I've never let it go past that. Thank you for the grace of God. I've seen moms do it where they're constantly tearing down their kids, raising the bar on them so the kids never accepted. He's just torn down, broken down. I've seen husbands and wives who just never build each other up. <laughs> it says the, the foolish mom, she tears her, tears her own household down with her words just tears it down. That's so sad. And I'm telling you, this is a new day. This is a new day. God's got a new way for us. Amen? Raise the banner of grace, not works. Yield to his power and humility. That models rather than preaches. The last thing your kids need is just another sermon to tell them what they're doing wrong. Listen, I'm not saying that we just let our kids slide with things. But why don't you communicate with your kids? Why don't you communicate with the family and find out what's going on? And that way, when they're, when they're wrong about something, you can correct them in the godly way. How many say amen? And let me just tell you, and this is the, the point I'm going to end up. Not only is it a new way, and God wants... How many embrace a new way? How many embrace a new day? Now, I'll tell you, this is the prophetic part. This is the new name. This is something kind of common in, in culture. There's a show comedy called The Office. There's a character in it named Andy. And he goes to anger management and comes back. And after he's gone to counseling, he, he gives himself a new name. He goes, you know what? Don't call me Andy anymore. Call me Drew now. I'm Drew now. Because he wants a change. How many know that our culture is looking for a change? 
It's not the name change that makes any difference. Because he gets really mad because everyone keeps calling him his old name until he gets his anger back. It's not about the new name. It's about who's given you the new name. It's about the God who speaks to you, return to me. And I have a new name for you. And I have a new destiny for you. I want to speak it over you. The Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you. Be blessed in the name of the Lord. This is what he says. The nations will see your righteousness and all cleans your glory. And you will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. He'll bestow it upon you. You will be a crown of splendor. You know what that is in the Hebrew? It's basically, he goes, I want you to be impressive. I want you to make a difference. I want you to stand before kings. I want you to stand in your neighborhood. I want you to stand and make a difference at your grocery store. You know, I want you to make a difference in the life of your church. I don't want you to be the head or the uh, tail. I want you to be the head. I don't want you to be drifting in the background. I want you to be at the forefront. It's a crown of splendor. It's a royal diadem in the hand of God, in the Lord's hand, in the hand of God. You are my sheep. You will not be out of my hand. This is prophecy that's fulfilled in John 10. Nothing can snatch you out of my Father's hand or my hand, says Jesus. You're secure. It's it's a crown of splendor, royalty. You're going to get royal royal coats and and royal garments. And you're going to have an inheritance that a king gets. Because we get the eternal life that the glory of Jesus has gained for us. Do you understand that there is a kingdom and a glory and an inheritance that is given to you, to us? This is one that one day we're going to step into an inheritance. The slave never got the inheritance, but the child did. That's what Galatians says. And it goes out into the world. Whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. A new name, embrace the promise of the Lord. No longer, verse 4, will they call you deserted or your name, your land, desolate. But you will call Hezbollah, which is joyful in you, joyful within you. His joy, his spirit in you. You will be the people who have the spirit of the Lord within you. How many say hallelujah? And he says in your land, blah, which is married. You will be married to the Lord. You will be one with him. It says, for the Lord will take delight in you. There it emphasizes it again. And it says, in your land will be married. What you produce, you're going to see the return of your harvest. It's going to come back to you. And I tell you, I don't know how many times I've been in the Lord and thought, there is no hope. And God says, yes, there is. And all of a sudden I see hope. And every time I can't believe it. God, you came through. And it's reinforced my faith. I've kept the fight. I fought the fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Amen? As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Have you ever seen anyone doting on his bride-to-be? It's embarrassing. Isn't it? It's in a good way, isn't it? They're kind of like, oh, man, she's so hot. I love her, man. <laughs> right? How come on? How have you seen young people in love? You know? And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I've, not, I've lost none of that with my wife. I love my wife. She is the most awesome woman ever. Do you want to know something? God loves us that way. He goes, I'm doting over you. I mean, how many examples do we need from Scripture? God's singing over you. You know? Can you imagine when the churches go, let's not sing? That's, sometimes you just got to tell the church to shut up. Right? Because the scriptures dominate it. And it says, God sings over you. God dances over you. Isn't that awesome? I, I'm, gl- I'm glad I got my dancing with the stars God. Right? He does an awesome holy tango. That you're going to blow you away. You think you're a good... Pete's a great guitarist. I love him playing leads. Wait till you hear the Lord playing leads. I'm going to say amen. What do you think? God's going to look at the guitar for the first time and go, I've never seen anything like it. 
God's going to have chordal charts that you've never even imagined. You think you've heard, you think Pavarotti's got a good voice? Or one of these Puccelli or whatever. You know, those Italians. I could, you guys want, how many want to learn to speak Italian? Just I could teach you Italian with just one word. Atza. Atza my mother. Atza my brother. Atza going good for you. Atza going good for me too. What's the matter with you? That's all there is to it. <laughs> the Lord has sworn by his right hand and his mighty arm. Now listen, I want you to see that this is the Lord. Remember Jesus says this, I have come to do not my will, but the will of him who sent me. And the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those that have been given to me, but raise them up on the last day. These are the same ones that they are, didn't follow me, but I found them. They weren't looking for me, but I looked for them. They didn't choose me, but I chose them. How many say amen? amen? God, this is the God who opens blind eyes. And he says, this is, this is so strong. The Lord swore by his right hand and by his mighty arm. Never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies. Listen, church. Embrace the promise. I'm telling you, there are so many that walk in fear. They hear finance message and, and this, and they think these are worldly little messages to church to get a little bit more money for some food program. This is not about money or time or trying to build kingdoms on earth. This is about us embracing the promises that God has given us and trusting him for it. The early church was on fire and they walked in power and they were risk takers and they were bold in the city and God did miracles among them. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies. Never again will foreigners drink the new wine for which you have toiled. But those who harvest it will eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather the grapes will drink in the courts of my sanctuary. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, the sought after, which is the chosen, the city no longer deserted. Do I hear an amen? amen. This is that text right there. And this is the song I'm going to sing to you. I'm not the greatest singer in the world, but I'm just going to sing this because I feel like it's from the Lord. It's what I woke up with. God wants to speak this Joel in this Isaiah text to us. You are no longer desolate. You are no longer deserted. You are no longer on your own, but you are an overcoming one. You are a joyful one. You are a faithful one. How many say amen?